This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Eyes On podcast. Eyes On. Eyes On. Live from the Shorter Children's Reading Festival. This is a special edition of Eyes On, and we've got a special guest with us today as well. We've got Kira Atwell, who is a food writer, photographer, and the cookbook author of My Fussy Eater. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. We're excited to have you and talk about My Fussy Eater. From what I understand, is that you're inspired by your own child. I am, yes. Well, I've got two children, but when my oldest daughter, she's 11 now, when she was about two, she became extremely fussy and I was a bit lost. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just trying to improve basically her eating, getting her to eat more, eat better. And I started sharing it online and it all just kind of went from there. And what kind of recipes did you experiment with your daughter first? Like, do you, like, wh- what kind of foods do you think would be? child safe or picky eater safe and how do you kick off from there i think if if say it's maybe veggies it's quite a common one Mm -hmm. trying to get kids to eat i think to start with make lots of hidden veg recipes because then you know they're getting the goodness in and then at the same time more long term you can work on actually getting them to eat the vegetables in their whole form in their Mm -hmm. more natural form so i love hidden veg recipes i think hidden veg pasta sauces are brilliant as well because most kids Mm -hmm. love pasta yeah so if you can hide some veggies in there it's a great way to start but don't just solely rely on that i think it's important that they see vegetables like as they should be and they see you eating them and you can get them to try them but definitely short term always go for hidden veg And you mentioned getting them to try them. I know that is a very difficult thing, trying to get a child to try out recipes, try out cuisine. So how can you get them to do it, to just be uh, incentivized enough to say, I I think I want to try whatever you're trying? Well, I always tell people it's it's, it's very much a step-by-step process and getting them to try the food is actually the last step because we kind of look at that as the first step. So getting them to interact with food, to be exposed to food to begin with. So even getting them shopping with you, picking up the veggies in the supermarket, washing them, cooking them, they're all steps that will eventually lead to them trying them. So don't dismiss that. Don't Mm -hmm. just think like the end goal is is the first step. Um, And then getting them to interact physically with the vegetables. So as I said you know chopping them or cooking them Mm -hmm. Uh, and when they're cooked and maybe you're sitting down as a family to eat get them to hold them to smell them maybe to have a tiny little taste and maybe just a tiny little lick of broccoli Mm -hmm. or cauliflower whatever it is Uh, but don't go straight in for trying because it's more than likely going to end in a kind of more of a negative response Mm -hmm. so kind of go through the process and and just feel kind of confident in yourself as a parent as well by doing all those things that you are actually leading up to that eventual last step of them trying to eat it. So basically pique their interest and then go on about the steps to eventually get them to try it. Exactly. And when they do have that negative response, especially the first time when you're such a very confident as a parent or caretaker that they will try it, you've gone through all the correct steps, let's say, and they still do not want to try it. What can you tell parents? What should I they do? I always say just stay calm and, and keep it a positive experience. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't keep forcing them to try it. Don't bribe them to try it. Say, you know, you can have a cookie if you try it. Don't do that. Keep it a positive experience. Mm-hmm. If they don't want to have any more, just say, that's absolutely fine. That's enough for today. We'll try again next week or the week after. I think it's important to keep reintroducing foods because mm-hmm. I think sometimes as parents, when we 
see a child doesn't like a food we just take it off the menu completely for months on end mm -hmm. and children's tastes develop like very quickly they change a lot it's not like us as adults we kind of tend to like the same foods for years and years children's tastes will change very rapidly as they're growing up so they might not like something today but maybe a month down the line they will mm -hmm. so it's important to keep getting them to go through those steps and to keep trying the food absolutely that makes a lot of sense and i like the fact that this is a very uh, easy approach it's a step-by-step -step thing and you don't just dive deep into it and off the air we were talking about how well i'm not a parent but i'm exposed to some children and of course i'm not a child development expert but i did make note of the fact that there are children between the ages let's say a little bit older than toddlers and around their preteens or even like perhaps some teenagers they kind of forget to eat they just have no interest in eating mm. and it's just a little bit it's funny because it's like where is your self-preservation mm. what about keeping yourself <laughs> I love going? food I could never remember not to eat exactly <laughs> like even like, you think that the usual image is that oh children love sugar they love all those sweet things but sometimes like for example my little cousin who loves Nutella she loves cookies she loves all these things but she even tends to forget to have mm. those things so how do you navigate that I think getting them involved in the process again, so getting them shopping with you, getting them meal planning I always think is great. So if you're at home at the weekend and you're planning your meals for the week, maybe get your child to pick even one of those meals and, mm -hmm. and, and make it their choice so they feel like they're involved in the process. So it's not just a case of they turn up at the dinner table and, and, and the food appears. I think it's really important to get them involved in the whole process all week long so they're a little bit interested. Mm -hmm. Also get them in the kitchen helping you. I mean, it depends what age the child is. You know, they may not have the attention or focus to cook a whole meal, mm -hmm. but you can get them chopping some vegetables. You can get them stirring. You know, you can get them serving up and all those things will, will get them more interested in the food before they're actually hungry. Yeah. And uh, what about my fussy eater? Obviously, you had to go through a whole process of elimination, trying to figure out what should you include in the book. How did that go on? Um, it's quite a long process. Yeah, <laughs> writing books. I'm writing my third one at the moment, so I'm, mm. I'm, I'm back in it. It's usually it's about a year process, mm. so it's a lot of back and forth with the publishers about the kind of theme of the book, and then I kind of go away by myself and think up the recipes and the A's with them, and then I have maybe about three or four months of actually testing. So. Mm -hmm. um, it's grueling because it's constant cooking, sometimes five, six recipes a day. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm kind of just coming to the end of that process at the moment. And my kids are so grateful because they they come home from school and ask what's for dinner. And I say, I'll give them six choices because I've made so much food that day. They, they just want beans on toast or <laughs> spaghetti bolognese. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And it's it's very creative, which I love. And no, no day is the same. So I really enjoy that. I can see that it can be very fun and as a foodie myself, or I call myself a fake foodie, <laughs> um, I would absolutely have a blast in your kitchen. I mean, I've been going through your recipes as well and they seem very approachable. Do you keep that in mind as well for both the parent or the caretaker and the child as well? Absolutely. I think I've, I've been doing this now since 2014. Mm -hmm. so. Uh, I've been able to listen a lot to the parents and carers that follow me and they definitely just want very simple recipes. Um, you know, there can be some twists or some interest to them, but it, it needs to be simple recipes, not too many ingredients. Everyone says to me if they open up a cookbook or find a recipe online and it has 25 ingredients, 
immediate yeah. no it's mm-hmm. not happening and yeah. I, I understand that as well and I do this full time for, for a living uh, so very simple they need to be we need to be able to get the ingredients at a local store yeah. supermarket you know nothing too crazy you've got to go online and find the ingredients so uh, I very much stick with that with what I know my followers like and, mm-hmm. and to be honest that's the kind of food that I make that my family want to eat as well they don't want anything overly complicated um, it's just very very simple simple family food And did you have a recipe in your cookbook that you thought that, oh, this is definitely going to be everybody's favorite, and then it turns out to be actually something else? No, it's funny. Like, I, I always do have favorites, and but people just have different tastes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find that people are, especially with, you can see on Instagram when people tag you in what they're making, people will also have their favorites. They tend to make every week or every second week. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's quite natural, isn't it? When you find a cookbook, there you know, maybe a third of the recipes you might actually make and maybe a quarter or less will be kind of the favorites that will become mm-hmm. family staples. And what are those recipes? Uh, for me? or Your for favorite and what do your readers prefer? Or uh, their favorites? So, uh, my f- favorite from the last book actually one was i made yesterday here at the fair at the mm-hmm. cooking demo is uh pancake bites Ooh, so there it's like a pancake mm-hmm. mixture but it's made in a muffin tin in the oven mm-hmm. so it's a lot quicker a lot easier especially if you have a large family you don't want to be standing at the stove flipping pancakes True. for about 45 minutes yeah. <laughs> so they're all made in the oven and you can freeze them as well so they're great to pull out on busy mornings um from my first book i'm making another favorite today is uh, it's, it's basically like homemade chicken goujons, but it uses mm. um, ground almonds for the, for the coating instead of breadcrumbs. So super healthy and a great way to kind of get some extra protein, extra nutrients into the kids without them knowing. That sounds incredibly delicious. Once again, I'm a little bit jealous of your daughters. <laughs> you should come over. We were I'd sampling. I'd love to. I'd love to. Just give me a call. Give me a text message or an email and I'll be there in your kitchen just testing out. Even though I'm not the, I'm not the target audience, but That's I'd love okay. to be the That's target okay. audience. And speaking about um, your followers and whatnot. Now, this is a very common thing. There are a lot of um, bloggers or there are a lot of moms and just parents and even just chefs. Um, who are interested in creating those kind of recipes for kids. And I'd say that there is somewhat of an oversaturation in social media, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, wherever, whichever social media platform you prefer. So how do you navigate yourself through that? How do you stand out? I think it's just about finding your niche and sticking to it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, as I said, I started in 2014 when social media was still quite small. Yeah. So I think I was lucky in that sense that I kind of grew an audience quite quickly because there wasn't as many people doing it. Mm-hmm. But I do get this question a lot from more new people. And I always say, just find your niche, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if it's completely obscure. There will be, you know, hundreds of people, thousands, tens of thousands of people interested in what you're interested in. So really find what you love doing. And it has to be something that you love doing because you won't keep your interest if it's something that's, you know, a bit passing or Mm -hmm. if it's a a phase or... So really something that you know that you will keep your interest for years to come. We're very happy to have you here at the Charlotte Children's Reading Festival and we'd like to know more about your demo. Zori gave us a bit of a sneak peek from yesterday's uh, cooking demo. What else do you have here at 
lined up for you at the event? Uh, so yeah, cooking this evening, the healthy chicken goujon. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to share those. Excited to have them actually. I haven't had them in a couple of months. <laughs> and tomorrow I'm back again tomorrow evening. And I, I think I am cooking a roasted red pepper pasta sauce. Yum. So this, this is actually one of my kids' really, really favorite recipes from the first book. So it's tomatoes, fresh tomatoes, fresh red peppers roasted in the oven with some Mm. garlic olive oil and then you blitz it so they don't know that all those vegetables are in there and you add a little bit of cream cheese and it just creates a really delicious creamy tomato-y pasta sauce really really good and so much better than anything you can buy at the store in a jar I bet and I just want to tell you that I am starving right now because (laughs) I did not have breakfast or lunch I'm just running on tea right now and you just made me really excited about your demo and before we wrap up I've actually asked the same question to Chef Dario yesterday and that is uh, speaking about favorites what was your favorite growing up favorite recipe or favorite food Uh, I don't know I'm I'm a bit funny. I don't really have favorite anything. Hmm. I kind of go through phases of, you know, things that I like. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely remember eating a lot of mashed potatoes as a child because I grew up in Ireland. So we Mm -hmm. had a lot of potato. Potato (laughs) was with every single meal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mashed potato. And we used to make um, like little, we used to put little cubes of butter in the inside so that it would melt Mm -hmm. and you'd find this little volcano of butter. And that's definitely a, a food memory from childhood, the... It's fun to look back on. For me, and I said this to Chef Dario as well yesterday. See, I think it's it's spaghetti and meatballs for me. Oh, I yeah, think that's it's a good one. Even growing up, I always ask, can I get it's sort of like a comfort yes. meal to me. It is so good. And I feel like a lot of kids also share the same sentiment. Yeah, my daughter loves getting meatballs. Well, there you go. I think it's all about the child within us. Yeah. And for some reason spaghetti is always a winner. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 4pm.